0: I uh, I did not envy Callan today. Uh, I think I got the easier job. So, I fully expect that there are folks watching the streaming service today because this is a wonderful opportunity to have a feast of gossip, isn't it? I, uh, about 20 years ago, when I worked at uh, Granger Presbyterian Church, I was a youth pastor there, we had a megachurch in the community where the senior worship leader, it was like a 10, 12,000-person church. Okay, this is a huge thing. TJ's been there probably. Uh, and their worship leader uh, was caught in a place he should not have been, a place his wife and kids didn't know he was, um, a place that, that made it very obvious that he had things going on that were not acceptable in any way. He immediately went and told on himself, because what else are you going to do, right? <laughs> and that Sunday, they stood up and they did a sermon. It was entitled Family Business. I almost used the same title. And he talked about it. And I thought, oh my Lord, I hope I am never in that situation. But it was on Mother's Day. Mother's Day is next week. And so I got my prayer answered. Right? Uh, I listened to that sermon at least twice, 20 years ago, when I was beginning to seep into my alcoholism. Like that was that part of my life. And I remember sort of glorying in the gossip of it. And I never looked at my own heart. I never hit pause. I never looked at anything other than this salacious fun thing I got to listen to. I didn't hear when the preacher preached the gospel. And I know he did, but I didn't listen to that part because I was listening to something else. All of us have a choice to make this morning. It is not going to be uh, a choice in relation to anyone but you. You will decide who you are this morning, and we will decide what church we are. We are going to be a church that looks like Jesus, that acts like Jesus, or we're going to be something else. I think if we look like something else, we will be broken again later, or we will be dry and dead and dusty and empty one day. This is us. We get to make a choice today. You guys excited? I am. I am 100% excited about this. Um, Last Sunday, we preached, or I preached. I talked about a... uh, Am I still on the camera? Am I messing up here? Do I have to stay sitting? Okay. I talked about a text in Mark 4. I'm not going to read any text today. I'm going to talk from memory as best I can. Uh, It was right after Jesus had preached the parable of the soils. And then uh, his disciples asked him, like, why would you preach this parable? He said, like... So some things are hidden from those who are dying, who are hard-hearted, and there are those who are hard-hearted listening online and maybe here, I don't know, maybe that's even me sometimes, probably more than I want to admit, but there are hard-hearted folks who will listen, and they will not hear the gospel, they will be veiled from understanding the grace and mercy that comes with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dying on the cross for our sins. Last Sunday, we talked about this parable Jesus told, where right after they asked him, why are you speaking in parables? He said, so nobody understands what I'm saying. And then he said, the lamp does not come to be hidden. Not under a basket, not under a bed. It's to be put on a lampstand to give light to everything. And so as we talk about what we are going to do, our choice... When we talk about that, we're going to talk about it by the light of the lamp that we are given. By the light of Jesus Christ in our lives, in this community. Jesus Christ who will redeem everything. Not just this situation, right? Not just this situation. But the stuff we're all sitting in. The broken moments that are happening. The broken moments that are happening next door or down the street or across town. Jesus Christ died to fix all of that. And this lamp is not about us. It's about how God is going to redeem and glorify himself through the showing of mercy and the repairing of broken. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what y'all are going to choose. I don't know what I'm going to choose. I want to sit in that light. I want to sit near Jesus. And I want everything to make sense based on Jesus. Right? I was going to start this morning by saying that there are folks who will listen that will say, this is why I don't go to church. Christians are why I don't go to church. Anybody heard that? Anybody thought about it? And I will tell you, Christians are not the reason I go to church either. I go to church to worship Jesus. And if Christians are it, if the stumbling of anyone causes you to doubt God, then you are worshiping the wrong thing. If you're listening to me and you want to tell me, oh, Eric's so clever, Eric's so this, Eric, so that, I ain't God. I ain't Jesus. Jesus is it. This is all we got, right? Choose today, guys. This is where we're going. And we're going to actually, so as I've been praying about this, I had to realize that the sermons over the last few weeks have, have all led up to this, right? That's kind of crazy. I didn't have any time to research this week. I had no time to study. I came in to write a sermon this morning, and I didn't have any time to do that. And so I have a slight outline. I'm going to do my best. But I researched this, like, over the last six months. Crazy. Back in November, I uh, ugh, I preached on the paralytic in Mark. So Jesus is in Capernaum. It'll probably be up there, I hope. Uh, oh, I got to tell you, like, first choice we got to make, um, we got to, I'm sorry, I'm trying, okay? The first, the first choice we got to make, we got to, um, we got to make a choice if we're going to be the kind of community in this moment that brings the broken to Jesus, right? The are broken people around us. We're going to bring those broken people to Jesus or we're going to get in the way. This is your decision. And it starts with the paralytic. Uh, The paralytic, paralyzed people back then were reduced to nothing. They begged. And most people assumed that um, people were paralyzed or broken because of sin they had committed. Right? And this man, his friends looked at him and said, this guy needs Jesus. And Jesus is in Capernaum. He's at Peter's house. He's teaching and he's surrounded by a crowd of people. And these four friends who are carrying their brother, their friend, their, this, this man, this broken man, they're carrying him to Jesus. They get there and there's so many people in the crowd that they can't approach Jesus. And they're holding their friend up. And they're forced to make a decision. And it is not to abandon bringing their friend to Jesus. They climb on the roof and they cut a hole. And they lower him in because no obstacle will get in the way of them bringing him to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we are in a spot where we will be one of three people. We will be those who pick up our friends and we pray for them, and we love them, and we don't look at them and say, Oh, I knew this was coming. Right. Oh, that's the way those Christians are. They're all hypocrites anyway. Right. Oh, you know how much better I am than that guy. I have my own self-righteousness to make it into heaven. That'll be our choice. We were. I got lost there. I'm sorry. I'm doing my best. We are here to pick up. Pick up these folks. And there are other people that need to be picked up. And we're going to pick those people up and we're going to bring them to Jesus. Because we are not here to be a church of people who are awesome. We are here to be a people who have been broken in life and recognize that we need Jesus to forgive us. And we will go to Jesus over and over again. And we'll carry, we're going to carry our brother Jeremy to Jesus and his family and the Eccles and anyone else. And I know there are other people in this room who need to be carried to Jesus, who are broken and cannot go themselves. And your choice is to be one of the ones carrying them. Some of you guys are broken. I had a period of time where I was so desperate to be open and honest and unpack my garbage that I I didn't know what to do. But I was terrified of Christians. I was terrified of gossip. I was terrified of judgment. I was terrified of all of the mess that came with it. I was scared. But some of us are broken. Some of you guys have stuff hidden. You know how I know? Because statistically, it's not possible that it's any other way. I read that in Louisiana, like last week, they passed this law that went into effect like like last week that requires adult Internet sites to be, you have to register to look at them. And the effort was to reduce the number of children looking. 80% of the traffic on Pornhub disappeared last week. 80%. It is the most visited website in the world. Children and men who did not want to register and women who did not want to register lest somebody figure it out. And there are people around us, people you know who have hidden sin. It's that or something else, right? Envy, bitterness, whatever. And we carry that sin around. We hide it. Some of us are broken because of that. And you need someone to carry you to Jesus. There's a group of folks standing up in front this morning who are better than me. And their role is to help bring you to Jesus. And there are other people in this room Daniel, John was up front actually already, TJ, uh, Adam. The list goes on. Like Mr. Cook over here, who's, you know, I don't know what to do with that. He's so much better than me. I. But there are men here who can carry you to Jesus. Women here who can carry you to Jesus. If you are broken, if you are paralyzed, if you are spiritually disabled and cannot drag yourself over the threshold and you've tried to get it out of you and you can't, ask somebody to pick you up and carry you because Jesus will heal you. And so when they lowered him down, Jesus' first thing, this is so amazing, and I'm standing up to emphasize this, he looks at the man. He looks at the faith of these guys who are like, Jesus is the only one who can fix my friend. And he says, He's marveled at their faith. And he says, Your faith, like he says, Your sins are forgiven, my son. Like, actually, that's what he says. He says, Your sins are forgiven. Like, he didn't even come there for that. And he says, Your sins are forgiven. Because that's what Christ came to do. He came to forgive us and cleanse us. And after he forgives his sins, the guys around him were looking like, Who does this man think he is? Forgiving sins. And We sometimes want to do that, right? I kind of skipped over. i got to double back here. It's all in my head, and I'm doing the best I can. Sorry. We sometimes want to do that. We want to say no, no, no forgiveness, no nothing, right? And in reality, forgiveness is the only thing we can offer. Jesus gives us that. We can say, Jesus died for you. He'll forgive you, and we will help you heal. But these guys are looking, and they're judging, and they're in the way. But then Jesus says, well, look, I know what you're thinking, but which is easier, to forgive him or to heal him? And he says, so you'll believe me that I can forgive sins. I'll heal him. He says, take up your mat and walk. And the guy gets up and walks out. Because Jesus first forgives his sins and then heals him. And in this, Jesus has forgiven sin, period. The healing is the part that comes next. There is no doubt about that. There is no sidetrack. There is no nothing else. Jesus forgave these sins at the cross. And he did it gladly. When we were his enemies, when we were helpless, when we were spiritually paralyzed, Christ died for us. We didn't earn it. And then he made them whole. And God is going to make people whole. Not just the ones in our, our conversation this morning, but all of you. And you get to make that choice. If you're paralyzed, make the choice, folks. Don't die in this. If you know your brother needs to be carried, pick him up and carry him. Or you can be the third group. And this is the last one you get to choose from. There's a crowd of people standing around Jesus. And they are in the way. Let that sink in. They're there. They're near Jesus. They're good. They're not like broken. They're not doing anything. They're just in the way. And they doubt Jesus can forgive. And they doubt he can heal. They're not helping. They're in the way. And there are a lot of Christians who are in the way. And we get to choose. What are we going to do? Are we going to carry? Are we going to be a community that shows grace and mercy and preaches redemption and, and literally the love of Christ? Are we going to wash each other's feet in humility are we going to get in the way? That's it. We get to choose. The next parable and the next big idea is we're to gather around Christ and we're to eat with him. We're to join him in fellowship. And as we do that, um, we're to do it knowing that he's making us clean. The alternative to that is to stand back and to accuse. This is the hard part. And I want you to listen very carefully. Jesus teaches one day by the lake, and he's traveling away from his teaching, and he passes Matthew, son of Levi, or Matthew, Levi, son of Alphaeus, I think. And he passes this guy, and he's a tax collector. Jews hate tax collectors. When I'm not going to get into it. Go listen to the sermon on it. It was in, like, November or December. I really don't remember at this point. But Jews hate tax collectors. They hate them. Jews hated tax collectors so much that you could lie to them, and it was not considered a sin. We do it now. It's still a sin now, but if you touched a tax collector's house, you were ritualistically unclean, meaning you could not approach God if you touched a tax collector's house until you were washed in the temple. And Matthew is sitting there. Everyone hates him, but he's got money. He has filled his life up with something that he loves, something that is wicked, and he is enjoying life. And Jesus approaches him. He's probably been listening to him preach, and he says, Matthew, come with me, follow me. This is the day. And he goes to Matthew's house, and he eats a meal. It was considered sinful to receive payment or money. Like if you were a beggar and a uh, tax collector came by and threw money in your, your begging cup, right, you had to give it back because it was stolen money. Golly, that's low, right? Matthew, the tax collector, Matthew, the wicked man, Matthew, judge that guy, right? And Jesus had him come to your house, and he ate his food, which means he's eating food that was bought with stolen money. He's doing something scandalous. But here's the trick: when Jesus walks into a house, when he walks into a life, when he walks into your heart, you may be filthy, but you won't make Jesus dirty. He'll make you clean. And that's all there is to it. If you are in a place where you are filthy, where you know you're hiding stuff, and you know if anybody knew who you really were. I remember thinking that over and over again when I was, when I was dying, dying in my sin. thinking If people knew who I really was, they would hate me. I hate me. And in reality, when Christ enters you, he has cleaned that house completely. And so you get to choose to sit at the table with him and be clean. To eat with the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and all of the other broken people who've said, I can't do this, but I will stand near Jesus. And you know what? Like there are days this comes out to the forefront and everybody's got to deal with it, right? That's today. We're going to eat with those folks and we're going to love them. Or the other group in this story the Pharisees who are outside watching, and they're like, and they can't even go in, right? Because if they go in, what happens? They're unclean. And in reality, they are unclean because they don't care what God wants. They don't desire mercy. They are self-righteous, and they're standing back, and they gossip. Don't we all love some good gossip? There's a line in Proverbs that says gossip is like a tasty morsel. It goes down to the innermost parts of you, and it is delicious, and it fills you It is a little like the Lord's Supper, only wicked, right? They're there, and they say, oh, look at that man. Do you know what he's doing? Y'all have probably already heard the gossip. Our announcement wasn't much of an announcement. I'm sure about half of you heard it, right? And they stood out there, and they gossiped. And as they gossiped, they asked the disciples. And the disciples listened. "Why Why is your preacher, why is your master eating with tax collectors and sinners. And they went and asked him, because you know what? The disciples sort of knew we got a lamp. And if we don't understand something, we go to the lamp and the light of Christ will shine on it and we'll understand. And Christ said, I came for the sick, or for, for sinners. Like, like the sick need a doctor, the healthy don't. I came for sinners. I came for the broken. I came for the lost. And these guys don't need a doctor, or they don't think they do, and so they're, they're on their own. And so he says this. He tells them this. And I'm here to tell you, like, we have a choice. I was talking to Diane this week. I have had a lot of phone calls. All I have done is talk all week. Uh, And Diane said something interesting to me. We were talking about Diane, the school counselor, keen So we all know her. She's, like, super tall uh, and very cheerful. Um, I don't know. I don't mean to be mean. If that was sorry, I apologize if that was derogatory. I don't think it was. Uh, But she said to me, she said, well, that's the thing with a small town. Everybody hates gossip, don't we? We all complain about it. Gossip. Oh, my gosh, the worst thing ever. Gossip. We hate hearing it. We hate knowing that it's happening. We hate knowing that everybody knows our business. But we all pick it up when we're done complaining about it. Don't we? We have a choice to make. We can be in the clean house and we hear the gossip. We can say, you know what? Jesus is fixing this. That is my brother. That is my sister. You know, I'm praying for them too. I really know that my risen Savior can make this right. But you've got to make a choice because you're going to hear it. You're going to hear lies and you're going to hear truths. And you're going to make a decision. You can redeem. You can stand in the clean house. Or you can stand on the outside And accuse. You know what's cool about accusation in the scriptures? There is a designated accuser in the Bible. Do you know who that is? Satan Satan is the accuser of the brethren. His primary job is to accuse you and me and the church. And everyone who is a paralyzed person in this room is hearing him accuse right now. Sure, it's okay for everyone else. But if you confess your sin, it'll come on you. You need to hide it. Keep it in the dark. That big lamp over there, don't bring your sin near that. But I'm going to tell you, the only way to get rid of it is to go to the lamp. Go to Jesus. So if Satan is the accuser, if Satan is the one standing back and speaking these words, if we, if I, and I do it, that's the thing that's awful. I know and I do it. If I participate in gossip, if I say nasty things about my brother who I love, if I whisper about my sister who I love or or their spouses or their kids or the church, if I whisper, I am an accuser. I am taking things into my heart and into my mouth that are coming from somewhere, but it ain't coming from a holy place. And so today we get to choose. Do we join Jesus at the meal and celebrate a cleansing? Do we point to Christ and talk about healing or do we accuse? Do we become anti-Christ in this moment? I know I'm speaking really hard on this one. But I want to make it very clear that there are folks who are going to have to learn to stand up and walk on legs that are healing from being broken. And I don't intend to be the one kicking the crutch out from underneath them as they do it. And if you plan on doing that, understand you ain't doing God's work You've made a choice. We can be redeemers. We can be people who speak the gospel, who speak the truth and love, who pour the blood of Christ out on our brother as we carry him to Jesus to heal him. We can be something else. I feel like I should be pounding the pulpit, but I don't have one. I'd knock over the stand. Our third choice is going to be what we do with this sermon and the gospel. Ugh. Our third choice is going to be what we do next. Right? We are going to choose how we receive the gospel. And there are people watching. The cameras watching me. And there are people listening because they're after their juicy bits. That delicious thing that they get. They want to hear all about the brother who fell so they can say, Christians are all alike. We are all alike. We're all broken and sinners. And we're all saved by grace. None of us, none of us, none of us could carry ourselves to Christ. Christ came to us. And so we are all going to sit in this spot. And we're going to have to make some choices about where our hearts are and what we're going to do with what's in our hearts. And so I'm going to close with a parable. Sort of a reverse parable. It's meta. That's a thing. Parables in the ancient world, in the ancient Jewish teaching, parables were used at the end of a teaching. And I feel like I've done my teaching. I've made my first two points, right? And this is point three, is my parable. A parable was used when you would finished teaching, and then the rabbi would tell the parable, and the parable forced the user, the listener, the, the audience, make a choice today. And they would give you a list of things, and you chose which one you are going to be. And today, I am here to tell you a parable. One Sunday, a pastor got up to preach a sermon. It had been a really bad week. been a bad week for a lot of people, and they were broken the disc and the till and the duck foot had run over a lot of folks and they were broken. And that preacher got up and he talked about Jesus or did his best to talk about Jesus and nothing else. And he walked around and he spread the seeds of the gospel everywhere he could on the internet and to the folks sitting in the room. And that preacher who is guilty of his own sin and doing his best right now, he spread those seeds. And some of those seeds landed on folks whose hearts were hard because the church burned them or because they want their sin more than they want anything else. And so they have to be hard-hearted. And some of them landed on people who are mired and drowning in their own brokenness in their own doubt, in their own, their own lust, in their own desire for money, in their own anger and bitterness and everything else. Like, those seeds landed there, and they couldn't get purchased because the hearts were so hard. Even though the disc had gone over, like, it couldn't even break the ground because they had hardened up. And birds came along and snatched it away. And actually, in reality, Satan came along and grabbed up those seeds and said, you know what we're going to do with these seeds? Let's gossip. Let's judge. Let's play holier-than-thou. We're going to ignore our own sins and we're going to point at the sins of others. We're going to ignore the brokenness of those around us and we're going to feel good about ourselves. And those hard-hearted people walked out the door and shut off the stream and they had nothing. That was it. Some of the seeds that the preacher shared, some of the bits of gospel, landed on folks whose hearts had rocks in them. Those rocks were big and they stopped the gospel from taking full root it didn't find its way down to where the water was hiding and those seeds like like instead of taking root in a way that would bring life they got stuck behind history they got stuck behind other things like people's own sin their own pornography addiction their own Uh, uh, rebellion, their own gossip, and these things are there and they stopped it from going deep and there was no depth to the root. The things that stopped them from studying and knowing Christ, the things that they would not submit. I'm going to tell you, the rocks in our lives are the things that we will not submit. If I say my enjoyment of life is more important than Christ, you have a rock. My this, my that is more important than Jesus. I will not submit those things. And so you hear the gospel and it takes root and you say, this sounds good. I want to forgive. I don't want to be angry. I want to love my brothers. But then as things go forward, you start hearing the gossip. And you really do love some good gossip, don't we all? Man, accusing is fun. And that rock got in the way. Or remembering something that happened. Or the next exciting thing to gossip about. Or whatever it is. The root happened and then the heat came and life was hard and it died. And some of the seeds that that preacher shared spread out into the hearts of those listening. Fell in places where they took root and grew. And it was kind of awesome. But then there were other things to worry about. This one's me. Hear me say this. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me this morning. This one's me. Because as those things came up. Busy things. I have to save everyone came up. I have to do everything. I have to worry about this. I have to worry about that. And I have a family and I got these things. And instead of being a person who submitted to Christ in the middle of brokenness and brought my brother and sister and everyone else to him and served him and dined with him and the other dying men and women in this world who've come to Christ because it's the only way They'll be made clean. Instead of joining with those folks, I want to work. I want to rescue everyone myself. Sure, the gospel works, but man, I can work harder. And instead of bearing fruit, instead of bringing a harvest, I brought nothing. Unfortunately, people have called me out and pulled those weeds out of my life or tried really hard, and I've been blessed in that. Um, Some of us listening are in that spot. The weeds are there. But... Here's the awesome part. Here's the, the punchline. Some of us heard the gospel, it took root, and it grew. And the roots went deep into Jesus and found the water of the Spirit. And, and it grew into a harvest. And good things came. Not just like 40 bushels an acre. Not just, you know, 600 people in Big Sandy. But, but more and more and more as Christ was spread. We don't exist for anything else except to talk about Jesus, to plant the gospel into people's lives, to help them pull their rocks and pick their rocks, to do the work of bringing people to Jesus, finding Matthew, and inviting Jesus, inviting him to share meal with Jesus to clean his heart and life. Like, that's it. That's what we're here for. And we have to choose. We have to choose if we're going to carry, if we're going to ask to be carried, or if we're going to get in the way. We have to choose if we're going to join in the feast and watch Jesus perform miracles in lives or if we're going to stand back and gossip and judge. And finally, now I'm telling you, what soil are you? The gospel that has landed today, the scripture, me talking about Christ, what, what's going on in your chest? You're going to get up and walk out the door and whatever it is you take with you is not me. It is you. And you will decide if I'm taking Christ with me or if I'm going to speak as the accuser and be anti-Christ or if I'm going to let my own hang-ups and my own weights and my own thing get in the way of real growth and development because this is a chance when the disc runs us over and breaks us, which a lot of us have been in that place and some of you all are in that place in a different way that we don't know about yet. When the disc runs us over and breaks us, we have the opportunity to grow in Christ. I've watched uh, the board grow this week. I am humbled to be near them. I've watched other people get run over with discs in the last few years, and I've seen great things grow out of them that are beginning to produce a harvest in this situation already. It is glorious. All of us are broken in some way. Will you come to Christ this morning? We walk out the door with good harvest in the works. If not, I beg you to pick a different path. I beg you, I beg you to come to Christ. I beg you to submit your heart and your life to him. We are the body. And as many of us will make the decision to consume judgment and to consume bitterness and to live as whitewashed tombs. And many of us will choose to walk away because the heat of this gross thing is too much, right? Lights on us right now. It's hot, man. Big hot lights pointing at us. Everybody's going to have to see. Everybody's going to have to know. That's awful. I've been scared of nothing more than that this week, and I'm glad that people have told me I was wrong. And so we are going to consume that. We're going to consume gossip. We're going to consume falsehood. We're going to play a part in throwing a cinder block to our brothers and sisters who are dying and drowning instead of a life preserver. We're going to choose to do one or the other. That is it. Choose this day who you're going to serve, folks. Choose this day what kind of church we will be. As for me and my house, we are going to serve Jesus. And we are going to do our darndest to look like Jesus. When we do communion, we are reminded that Christ is the thing that goes to the innermost parts of us and changes us. And as we come forward, are we passing? I don't know. I don't even know what we're doing this morning. Um, hey, we're passing. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it's been a busy day. Though that's going to be weird. Maybe we should come forward. Oh, you want to do Too awkward. Well, because the bread's like Wait, not pretty perfect. <laughs>